0: Good morning, Lifepoint. Welcome to the Drivecast. My name is Dan, and I am the teaching pastor for our new Worthington campus. This morning, we're continuing our Drivecast series through the book of Revelation, taking small chunks of this book and understanding what it means for the way we live and engage in the world around us. The book of Revelation is a fascinating book. And as I've been talking with folks about us starting this new series as a church, there's been a lot of excitement and a lot of buzz. The book of Revelation makes us feel a whole lot of things. Some of us heard this series and we got excited about Uh, talking about charts and patterns and symbols and deciphering these codes about what the future will look like. And others of us maybe have experienced a teaching series through the book of Revelation in the past at other churches and we're just kind of confused at what this book is. But what we've been saying as we've started this series is that the book of Revelation is not designed to just give us the answer key to what the future will look like, though it does point into the future. It's a book written to encourage us here and now as we face a myriad of different situations and circumstances. It matters for the way we live and move in our communities where God has placed us today. And as we look at this book, verse by verse, in the drive cast, we're going to continually come to the same practice of looking at what the scriptures say praying back to God what they say, and going forward to live out what Jesus commands of us in our everyday lives of following him. In Revelation chapter 2, what we're looking at today, we see this series of letters written by John, the author of Revelation, on behalf of Jesus to seven churches— these are interesting churches because each one of these churches resides in a city where you can actually go back to these cities today. You can see the ruins of many of these cities and know that there were real people, that there were real followers of Jesus and real Christian communities in these ancient cities that were struggling with very real things. Sometimes we forget when we look at the New Testament that it is letters and books written to actual people who really did exist. And sometimes we forget that uh, we can take what is written there and bring it into our lives today. It's not just ancient words for ancient people, but it's living words for present people today. As we look at these letters, we get the chance to look over John's shoulder as he pens these messages, again, on behalf of Jesus to these churches, and we get to learn from each one of these letters. Today, we're looking at uh, verses 8 through 11. This is the letter to the church in Smyrna. And so, as we're starting, let me read this passage, and we'll go through a couple things from there. Starting in verse 8, it says this, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. There's so much that we can dig into just in these few verses in chapter 2, this letter to the church in Smyrna. Some of the interesting things that take place in each one of these letters is that the title Jesus is given is going to have direct correlation to what is written in the content of this letter. And so we need to pay attention at the very beginning in verse 8. When it says these are the words of the first and the last, the one who died and came to life. And what John is doing is reminding the church in Smyrna that they're going to hear some hard things in a moment, but these are spoken by the one who has already conquered and been victorious over death. In fact, this is a theme we'll see through the entire book of Revelation, that Jesus is greater That he is the one who is victorious, is and now victorious, and will be victorious into the future. And he starts with that. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves that at the beginning of each day that we don't follow uh, a historical figure. We follow the Jesus who is, has, and continues to be victorious over Satan, sin, and death. And then he gets into a part of this letter that I actually find really uncomfortable. Some of you may struggle with this yourselves. He starts talking about tribulation, which really captures this idea of persecution or suffering more broadly. And he says, I know your tribulation right in verse 9. I think the interesting thing about suffering and hardship in our lives as followers of Jesus is we can often feel very isolated and ask the question, God, what are you doing in this? Do you, do you even uh, see what's happening to me right now? Do you, do you know what's going on in my life? And, and I think what is so beautiful about this passage is that from the very beginning, what Jesus wants this church to know, what he wants his people to know, is this simple truth. I know your suffering. I know your tribulation. He says, I see you. I see what's going on. In fact, he goes on to say that not only are you experiencing this this suffering, but, but actually it's going to continue on. He, he gives a timeline for the church in Smyrna and says that for 10 days you will have tribulation. I think this is an opportunity for us to, to see this as an extended period of suffering. And so not only does Jesus see what's currently happening, he knows what will happen in the future. He knows that there is persecutions that lays ahead of this church he knows there's persecution that lays ahead of us today things that we don't even know about things that we don't even see and i think it's quite beautiful this message that we get from this second letter in chapter two that jesus sees and jesus knows he sees us in our pain He sees us in our suffering. He sees us in our persecution and has not moved away from us and has not forgotten about us. And yet, in that place of hardship and pain, look at these words that he says to them in verse 10 Be faithful. Be faithful. What that means for them is that they're going to remain following him no matter what comes, no matter what is thrown at us. And Jesus anticipates that there will be hard things thrown at us. He says, be faithful. Now we could go into a whole longer conversation about the reality of spiritual warfare that we encounter yeah, I think it's quite profound that the message Jesus has for this church in Smyrna, for the church that is gathered now in the Columbus area as we study this together, the encouragement he has in the midst of hardship is that we would be faithful. And this doesn't come just from some guy who, who is telling them to, to keep going forward. These are words that come directly from, remember what verse 8 said, the first and the last. The one who died and has come back to life. The one who conquers death itself. He says, be faithful. And he doesn't just say, uh, go out and do your best, do better. He actually empowers us to be faithful to him. So as we go about our day, we don't want to just take in what the word says. We want to pray back what uh, Jesus' word says. We also want to live out what the word says. Let me encourage you with this today. I know some of you are listening to this, and you got some hard things going on in your life. Maybe it's some stuff with housing that you're trying to figure out. Maybe it's stuff with finances. That just it, it It's that, that thing that keeps you up in the middle of the night, and you can't stop thinking about it. To relationship you're working through right now, a particularly painful one. Whatever it might be, whatever hardship you might be encountering, God's encouragement to you is to be faithful to Him in the way that you respond, knowing that, that He ultimately does deliver. He knows, He sees, but beyond that, Maybe one of the questions we start asking is, God, what are you doing in my hardship? How might you equip me in my hardship to serve and meet others in their hardship, to be uh, a, a caring friend or brother and sister in Christ to them in their hardship? I think it's the bold question of, God, how will you use my suffering for the good of others? right? This is exactly what we see in the whole story of the gospel, that Jesus suffers on our behalf for our good. And then he empowers us to be faithful uh, to suffer in this life, sometimes for the good of others. So as we're thinking about this, let's pray. And then I'll give you an opportunity to pray as well. Father, we thank you for your kindness we thank you that we can open up your word and though we see ancient letters written to old historic churches that re- really don't exist in uh, it, it, anymore, we can see your words to them and find life and encouragement and challenge in those today. Remind us, Lord, that you are the one who has conquered death, that you are the one who has died and come back to life, the one who will not be hurt by the second death. Remind us that you are one who sees and knows our hardship. You know what hardship lays ahead of us even now before we ourselves know. You know what we need before we even open up our mouths to ask, and we thank you for that today. We pray that you would help us to be faithful to you, to endure even in our own hardship. And those of us going through hard things today, would you help us to ask the question, God, how might use my suffering uh, to, to bless and care for those around me? to speak words of life and encouragement to others who seem lost in a sea of suffering. Fix our eyes, our hearts, and our affections on you today, Lord Jesus. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name.